The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Uh, good evening, everyone. Um, it's great to see you all, and it's been a long time. There's quite a few people out tonight. I was kind of surprised. I thought with the uh, Dharma talk last night that there would be fewer. But uh, I'm sure glad to see you all. Thanks for being here. Um, and thanks to the team that puts this together. Um, I think it's really interesting that it takes all of us that were that are here to, uh, to be able to put this together. And that without it, without you and the people uh, that uh, at the Zendo, um, there wouldn't be a Dharma talk. So I, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, the last uh, couple of weeks or so, I've been noticing that the days have been getting shorter and getting much cooler. Last night it was 40, uh, I think it was 47. And the maple trees are starting to turn color and uh, here and there occasionally I see a leaf fall. Um, on uh, Fall is going to be uh, official in just a few days. I've been seeing uh, out in the garden that I have um, sunflowers, the big ones, the ones that are you know the size of a plate, uh, that are drooping, and there have been chipmunks sitting on top of them, stuffing themselves with seeds, and it's quite a sight. They are just so happy, getting ready for uh, the upcoming winter. I think they're probably squirreling, squirreling away, or chipmunking them away um, um, uh, for the upcoming season. As I've mentioned before, I, I'm most of my life I've really been uh, an avid gardener and uh, mainly planting uh, vegetables. Before I bought, we bought this condo up here in Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, uh, we were told that the uh, residents could sign up for uh, the community garden that's close by, and if there were pots available, uh, we could we could have one. And I was very excited about that because I haven't had one, a plot of any size whatsoever um, to, to uh, grow vegetables on. Uh, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I can really, I, I go out and I just really get absorbed in the whole process. When the time came and we were able, uh, able uh, we, we, got a, we did get a plot and it had been a pollinator plot that had been de uh, dedicated to native plants that um, different insects would thrive on uh, in, their, in the region. It was really overgrown, very overgrown when it decided to, uh, to, to come up. It was the end of uh, winter when I first saw it though. The entire community garden was brown, and muddy and not a bit of green anywhere. Um, there were, it had been raining, so there were, it was really kind of pretty much a mess. And we have a, a, a on the plot we got, we uh, uh, had a small uh, crabapple tree. Uh, there was nothing on that either. But with my uh, experience of gardening uh, in uh, uh, Southern California where and growing a garden is a piece of cake. I mean, it's really 
you know, you, you have to really be doing something not not uh, really get a really bountiful harvest. Um, I, I thought that I was going to have a bump to crop this year because that's what I was used to. And I would be able to do some canning and some uh, freezing, and I would uh, also be able to share it with a local uh, food bank. Um, I brought in compost and turned the soil, being careful to leave some of the pollinator plants um, there because uh, without pollinator plants, there are no vegetables. Um, you're going to get pr pretty much nothing, um, except maybe root vegetables like carrots. Anyway, we brought in compost, dug it in, and uh, we um, put straw down to keep down the weeds. And in the middle of the garden, um, there was a small hole, uh, hole, and I wondered what could be living down there. And I thought, it might be chipmunks. Well, anyway, um, to do well, the plants re rely on the conditions of the soil and being protected from the critters, both animal and insect. They might enjoy a feast on the shoots that uh, come up, but you never know what to expect. Could be, might not have any problems at all. Might be a smooth sailing, and then on the other end, you just never know. Anyway, I planted different uh, things, radishes, carrots, tomatoes, eggplant. I was quite excited to see the radishes and carrots looking quite healthy when they uh, started to come up. All the carrots, um, oh, a couple days later when I went back to take a look, to my surprise, the carrots and radishes that had maybe been, oh, I don't know, maybe about, uh, about that tall, um, were all gone. And it turns out the hole in the middle of the, uh, the that I'd mentioned uh, in the middle of the garden was a home to a family of voles. And they had stuffed themselves at the smorgasbord that was my garden. Needless to say, I was not a happy camper. Um, I said a few uh, choice words and grumped around for quite a long time, but um, decided that uh, um, the best action was to try it again. So I put in some more, and needless to say, those little beggars were back before you know it, just after they came up, about that high, and they mowed it down again. Voles are um, small rodents about the size of hamsters, and they have a voracious ap appetite. I don't mind sharing with them, but they don't share. They eat everything until it's completely gone and the plants are killed. I wondered if there were any predators that could be uh, help keep them down. One day working in the uh, garden, uh, and I think I was planting onions, uh, I heard a uh, commotion in the distance. And it turned out to be a hawk that it landed on a post nearby and it was uh, being fearlessly attacked by mockingbirds and small, uh, other small birds that were, uh, um, there were bird houses there and they were living close by. And they were um, protecting their um, hatchlings from the uh, predator in their midst. The hawk took off. And to my surprise, it didn't try to, to protect itself at all. It just took off and as I watched, 
he or she flew away with small birds in hot pursuit. Into the distance they went, and I don't think I saw the, the small birds came back. I don't know how long they uh, chased after it. As for the voles, I tried several ways to slow them down, but most of the things I tried at best worked temporarily. So I had to give up on carrots and radishes in the end, and the voles were well fed. In midsummer, I left the garden for a week because I had the good fortune to attend a uh, second week of session. It's been a long time since I uh, had attended, and it was much more physically demanding than I had remembered. I had changed. I was older and not as spry and not as strong as I once was. When I arrived, I was given the uh, position of Cheden. And, uh, the Cheden is the person that takes care of the alders, doing the flower arrangements, making sure their alders are neat and clean and uh, well-serviced. And um, you do this between each service. After one of the services, I was um, taking the incense bowl back from the main altar to be cleaned and looked at, looked at the ashes, and I was struck by how deeply interdependent everything is. The service we had uh, relied on it. The ash came from the many people that had lit incense in the past and put the incense into that bowl. Who made that bowl? How many services had it been used in? How many people have smelled the fragrance uh, that rose from the incense? Ever since I looked at those ashes, I've been almost obsessed thinking how everything I come in contact with, often unexpected, is, is often unexpected and connected and uh, dependent on something else. It's in every aspect of our lives. Have you noticed that connection as well? That it's really inescapable and part of our everyday lives? I find it quite amazing. Everything is interdependent and nothing can be left out. It's interesting how we as humans can separate out interdependence and look at it as though it's independent, something that we aren't part of. I think that's really kind of, actually in a way kind of sad, but I do it all the time. When I returned to, uh, from session, I noticed the garden unexpectedly turned into a beautiful park with flowers and vegetables and voles and chipmunks and birds of all kinds, including a beautiful hawk. And also there were all the pollinators, bees, wasps, butterflies, and heaven knows what else. As the plants flowered, the pollinators flocked to them. Without the insects, most plants, flowering plants that is, wouldn't get pollinated and we wouldn't get our vegetables. We wouldn't have anything in the market to speak of. I don't remember ever seeing so many insects at one time in my life. It was teeming with life of all kinds, and they all depended on each other. As I as, and as, as I do, I am dependent on you're dependent on. We need those insects. One day, while I was weeding, I heard the beating of wings, and it was like, whew. Whew, whew. And as I stood up, 
and looked. Not six feet away was a hawk that flew by, and in his talons was a little gray vole. The circle of life goes on. Life and death. It's all right here in the garden, and I'm not separate from it. And I'm and uh, and just I'm just one part of the whole thing, as we all are. This is really a lot about our lives. Our lives are connected to this. It's often difficult for me to keep in mind that we are all part of this, not just spectators. This has not been a bumper season. We've been putting, getting tomatoes, enough to make sauce, and we've had some for salads and a few eggplant and peppers. We also have a crop of some very chubby voles and chipmunks. They really rely on us. They would, they would have a lot harder life if I didn't put out plants for them to eat. <laughs> Chip and the chipmunks love the tomatoes. They go around and they take little bites out of the top of them. And then they'll go to the next one. They'll take another little bite. And they go on to the next one. They have to taste them all to make sure they're right. In the garden, I can see the beauty of the interdependence of all the different aspects of the environment the earth, the rain, and all the life involved. In a recent Dharma talk by Ryoshin Hoshi, he talked about flow. And if you look closely, interdependence is flowing. Everything is constantly changing, and different causes and conditions arise, interact, arise, interact, on and on, flowing. This all brings me to, uh, in mind to case 27 in the Blue Cliff record. Humans, the body exposed the golden wind. A monk asked human, how is it when the tree withers and the leaves fall? Human said, body exposed in the golden wind. How is it when the tree withers and the leaves fall? The leaves falling depend on the tree, withering. What is the cause of the withering? It could be several things, lack of water, disease, old age, change of season. There's no way to tell, at first glance anyway. The withering depends on something, and that's for sure, as do the falling leaves. Like the tree withering and the, tree fall, uh, the leaves falling, what happened to my dark brown hair? I once had really dark brown hair, it was nearly black. Now it's gray. What happened to that? We all expo uh, stand exposed in the golden wind. What will come next in our life? Will it be something pleasant? Will it be something tragic? Will it be something that's here and there? And from where will it come? We saw it, we really don't. So we seldom have any idea, and it's usually a surprise to us, I think. In one translation, I saw the golden wind expressed as the autumn wind. Will it be a gentle breeze? A wind that, that's good for flying a kite or a hurricane that we have to take shelter from. The wind constantly changes due to different conditions, and we have no real way. Um, 
no real idea where it will blow from from moment to moment. I see this in the garden where the seeds from the wild flowers are blown in all directions. And it's always, it's a surprise what will come up in your garden from year to year. I have lots of uh, sunflowers. I didn't plant any, but I have sunflowers. Um, this is our everyday life. It's just being our body exposed in the golden wind. Causes and conditions cause it constantly change. So how do we respond? Will we try to fly a kite in a hurricane and turn our backs on the laws of nature? There was a um, heavy wind and it blew down a, uh, a branch off of a black cherry tree uh, that's adjacent to uh, the garden. And two bears responded by having a feast on black cherries. Two of them must have been adolescents and they... Uh, rolled and tumbled on the on the uh on the ground below and occasionally would go up and get more cherries they had a great time and they were quite you know full full of cherries what can i say <laughs> buddy exposed in the golden wind is nothing less than our life and death existence itself that that constant flow that is our everyday life and what we encounter. The wind, we, uh, the wind can cause the tree to wither and its leaves to drop, or it can bring the rain that revives it for a, a time. It can be a wind that causes harm, or it can be a wind that is love and compassion. We are all that wind at times ourselves. We are on both sides of it. We are the wind and we are also the body exposed. There is nothing in the universe where interdependence doesn't apply. Our practice, all dharmas, what I think of myself, the stars in the sky, the mountains and rivers, are what they are because of interconnection. Nothing exists independent of anything else in the universe. We all lie, uh, rely on the support of others, whether we realize it, or not. Too often we don't look at the possible short-term, let alone long-term results of our action, or we take a narrow view, and we can do great harm by doing this, as in, in the environment, the global warming, politics, all of the things that are going on. It seems like just we don't look at the harm that we're going to cause. And we don't pay we don't pay attention to the effect that we all have, that we're all connected, and that what we do is really important. It may not seem important to us, but it is important. The uh, results of our positive action shouldn't be underestimated. Even a kind word can have quite an effect, and they ripple as on a pond and each time a person you know you do something nice for somebody it may build, make them feel better and they may be kind to somebody else and then them they may be kind to somebody else who knows how do you see interdependence in your life one place i see it 
is in the meal chant that says, 72 labors brought us this food. We should know where it comes from, how it comes to us. Sorry about that. So what's involved in the food that we eat? Where does it come from? How is it raised or grown? How was it transported? What was the water source? What were the fertilizers used on it? What was the weather like? Who were the people involved? It is just amazing how involved putting food on our plates is. And I think it's often not appreciated. I think farmers are highly under uh, appreciated and their lives are so involved in the, and their bodies exposed in the golden wind all the time with the with changing weather and God knows what. I mean, it, it's a tough life, always living on the edge. Anyway, back at the garden, as I said at the beginning of the talk, I can see fall is coming and strolling down the path that runs between the plots, I see vines from the winter squash that are withered and all the, uh, that's left are pumpkins and squash for food. The seeds can be used for next year's crop. If some of the squash are not picked, they will be food for chipmunks, voles, squirrels, worms, bacteria, and they will turn to compost that enrich the soil that's needed for the crops. Saturday is the first day of fall. The cycle goes on and the trees wither and the uh, leaves fall. To end, I'd like to read a quote by John Muir for you. When we contemplate the whole globe as one great dewdrop, striped and dotted with continents and islands, flying sp through space, with other stars all singing and shining together as one, the un whole universe appears as an infinite storm of beauty. <laughs>